0: All right, Um, now we're going to go through the flashcard set uh, for Champagne. Um, Between each question I will use the word next question, because if I give a number then it might mess up numbers, because we use lots of numbers in grams per sugar and all that shit. So, I'm always going to use next question to announce that the next question is coming up. Wine in Champagne have dropped in acidity and the potential alcohol has been rising due to the climate warming. The result has been the conditions to produce more consistency wine grapes, more consistently ripe grapes and fewer poor vintages. True or false? True. Next one. What does Prestige Cuvée mean in Champagne? It's the top wines of a house and it's the best sites and the best grapes. Next. In Champagne, which is better, Grand Cru or Premier Cru? Grand Cru. Next. Which soil and site is the best in Champagne? Chalky hillsides. Next. Which are the five main sub-regions of Champagne? Montagne de Reims, Vallée de la Marne, Côte des Blancs, Côte de Cézanne and Côte des Bar. Next, is Montagne de Reims a wide plateau or a mountain? It's a wide plateau. Next, in Montagne de Reims, some top villages are unusually north-facing, providing excellent cool climate sites. What's the negative of this and what kind of wine does it give? It's more prone to frosts, and it gives wines that have high acidity and are austere in use. Next, Montagne de Reims is best known for its black grapes especially the main five Grands crus. Which ones? Mailly, Verzenay, Verzi, Ambonnet and Bouzy. Next. Even though Montagne de Reims is famous for its black grapes, there are also important vineyards of Chardonnay. True or false? True. Next, soil types of Grand Cru in Montagne de Reims. Chalky, providing an excellent balance between water retention and drainage. Next, is Montagne de Reims best known for its black or white grapes? Black. Next, at Vallée de la Marne, where are the major plantings located? which grape and on which soil. East of Epernay, Meunier on clay, marl and sandy soil. What kind of wines you find at the Vallée de la Marne? Fruity Meunier and rich Chardonnay that can be blended to early drinking wines. Next. Why is Meunier well suited for the Vallée de la Marne? Meunier but breaks late and the ripening is earlier than other grape varieties which shoots to this frost-prone valley. Next, what's the soil in Côte des Blanc? It's the purest form of chalk. Again, providing the excellent balance between water retention and drainage, and it's perfect for high-quality Chardonnay. In Champagne, when you think of great quality wines, it's mostly Chardonnay on chalky soils. Next, what are the four most famous Grand Cru villages in Côte des Blancs? Cramont, Avize, Auger, and Menil-sur-Auger. They have vines of great intensity and longevity. They have wines of great intensity and longevity, which tend to be somewhat austere in youth. Next, Côte de Blanc has 95% of which grape? Chardonnay. Next, Côte de Cézanne is mostly planted with Chardonnay and is usually lower in quantity. Sorry, Côte de Cézanne is mostly planted with Chardonnay and is usually lower in quality. True or false? True. So think of Côte de Cézanne as a lower quality Côte de Blanc. Côte de Blanc mostly Chardonnay, 95% Chardonnay and of high quality. Côte de Cézanne, still mostly Chardonnay, but lower quality. Next, soils in Côte de Cézanne and what grape and where is mostly planted. So, in Côte de Cézanne, we have mostly clay and clay silt soils and with some pockets of chalk. Mostly Chardonnay on warmer south-facing slopes, leading to fruitier, riper grapes. Next, which grape is about twenty-five percent of the whole plantings at Côte de Bar? So Côte des Bar, all the way in the south, almost close to Chablis. Twenty-five percent of the whole plant, uh, plantings are of which grapes? Pinot Noir. What kind of soils? Sorry, next question. What kind of soil at Côte de Bar? Côte de Bar has okay. I don't know how to say this word. Kimmeridgian calcareous mall also found in Chablis in Sancerre. Steep slopes with stony limestone have a great drainage helping Pinot Noir to ripen well. Next, why are the plantings of Pinot Noir good for Côte de Bars? Because the lack of Pinot Noir in other sub-regions make it as a good source of well-ripe Pinot Noir to blend into non-vintage for the northern merchant so basically the 25% of plantings of Pinot Noir in Côte de Bar is a good source of well-ripe Pinot Noir for the northern areas that don't have as good conditions to ripe um, Pinot Noir next how many grapes permitted for champagne seven next which are the three main grapes in Champagne that account for 95 oh sorry, 99% of the plantings? Pinot Noir, about 38%, Meunier, about 31%, and Chardonnay, about 30%. But Chardonnay is on the rise, they're planting more Chardonnay. Next, what are the characteristics of the Meunier grape? So, the Meunier grape is early budding, but later than Pinot Noir, which makes it less prone to frosts and cooler in the Vallée de la Marne. That's why you find Meunier in Vallée de la Marne. Does well on heavier soils that have more clay, where other grape varieties would not succeed. It ripens earlier than Pinot Noir. It is sensitive to botrytis infection. It is reliable for fruity wines, mostly for non-vintage, which have shorter time on lees, and is usually not used for long lees aging wines. But you find some exceptions, for example, Krug. Next, what are the characteristics of the Chardonnay grape? Chardonnay is perfect for autolytic styles of sparkling wine, because it has a subtle apple and citrus flavor and aromas that complement the biscuity notes instead of competing with them. It's early ripening, so it's good for cool conditions. It's early budding, but which makes it vulnerable to spring frosts. More disease resistant than Pinot Noir, but it is prone to powdery mildew, grapevine yellows and botrytis bunch rot. In wet periods before the harvest. And the yields can be high again without the loss of the quality, which is what makes it attractive to growers. Next, what are the characteristics of Pinot Noir? Pinot Noir, it's early budding and early ripening, which is perfect for a cool climates, but it makes it prone to spring frosts. It is also prone to coolure. Yields are more moderate than Chardonnay, and they lose quality if it's too high. It's a thin skin, so it's more prone to diseases such as downy mildew, powdery mildew, botrytis bunch rot, fan leaf, and leaf roll. And at the end, at the end, it lends body to a wine. So somehow you could assume that. Mildew. Mildew and botry- Botrytis bunch rot is very common in Champagne overall. Next question. Which grape is the favorite for long aging in Champagne? Chardonnay, obviously. Next question. Explain the planting system regulation for Champagne. So in Champagne, you have a maximum inter-row spacing of one meter and a half. So inter-row means from one line to the other. So in between lines, you have a maximum spacing of 1.5 meter. And it has an intra-row, which means between the vine in the same line of 0.9 to 1.5 meters with a total spacing never more than two meters and a half, where this total spacing is basically from one vine to the other on the same line, to the other vine on the other line. So picture it, an unfinished triangle, let's say. And that distance cannot be more than two meters and a half. This will produce an average planting density of 8000 vines per hectare so that the competition between vines for resources is tough, so like this you have an optimal fruit quality. Generally, grapes for sparkling can be grown at higher yields, because it is not necessary for tannins to be ripe, or for flavors and colors to be particularly concentrated. Next question. Which are the four approved training systems in Champagne? You will find Taille Chablis, Cordon du Roya, Gouillot, and Vallée de la Marne. Those are the four training systems approved for Champagne. Next, which of the training systems is widely recognized as the best for Chardonnay in Champagne? Taille Chablis. Next question. Name the following training system. It usually has three to four cordons, but may have up to five. At the end of each cordon, there's a spur with up to five buds. It is a form of spur pruning, returning a large (coughs) proportion of permanent wood, which can protect against frosts. Spurs are grown at yearly intervals, and must be trained to a maximum of 0.6 meters above the ground to ensure that the ripening fruit gets solar energy reflected from the soil, especially on chalk soil. Which is the training system? Taishabli, again. Taishabli, Taishabli, Taishabli. Next question. A Cordon du Roya training system is usually used for which grape varieties in Champagne for Pinot Noir and Meunier. So somehow think of Taichablis for good quality wines where most of the time are made from Chardonnay and think as Cordon du Roya mostly for Pinot Noir and Meunier. Next question. Guyot training system is usually used in premium vineyards in Champagne. True or false? It is false. It is permitted in lesser rated vineyards for all three grape varieties. And you can do either single or double Guyot. All right? So double Gouyot, double guyo, single guyo, Gouyot, usually it's for lesser quality vineyards. So again, to sum up the three of them, Chablis, usually for premium wines, which is mostly for Chardonnay. Cordon du Royal, mostly for Pinot Noir and Pinot Meunier. Gouyot, either single or double, normally on lesser good vineyards. Next question, what's the maximum average number of fruiting buds per vine for all the allowed champagne training system per meter square? So basically per meter square, independently of which training system you're using, what's the maximum average number of fruiting buds per vine per meter square? 18 buds per square meter. Next question. Typically, climatic, uh, what are the typical hazards in Champagne? So, the most common hazard, hazards in Champagne are spring frosts, they are also bad flowering due to cold and rain in June, downy mildew, storms and hail in the summer and hot and humid in the summer, leading to rot. Next question. How does the Comité Champagne set harvest dates and yields every year? It does so by taking grape samples from approximately 450 controlled plots from the time of Veraison, and then it measures the rate of color change the average weight, the sugar concentration, acidity, and the incidence of botrytis. And then these findings also determine the permitted yield for each year and the required minimum ABV alcohol by volume. Okay, so basically picture 450 different vineyards. They pick grapes from all over and they check all those parameters that I just said. So, and then that's how they decide yields and harvest dates, and also the minimum alcohol required. Next question. Why is it important that the Comité Champagne sets yields? It protects the quality of the wine by avoiding overcropping. And it also protects the price of champagne by regulating the supply and the demand. Next question. The Comité Champagne is in charge of setting the harvest date, the yields and the reserve stock of the wine for the following years. Next question. The unit known as marque in Champagne is for how many kilos of whole bunch grapes loaded in the press? four thousand kilos. Next question. The juice is separated into two fractions when pressed in champagne. Explain. So the juice extraction is extremely limited to two parts in champagne. You have the cuve and the thai. The cuvee are the first 2,050 liters per 4,000 of kilo of grapes Remember, you cannot put more. For every four thousand kilos of grape, the cuvee is the first two thousand fifty liters, made up of both free run and the first pressing. Once you reach two thousand fifty liters, you 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 create a second fraction that is called the tie, and the tie is made up of the next five hundred liters. And like this, by limiting the total pressing, it protects the wine quality because like this, it avoids overextraction of the phenolics and it maintains fruit flavor. OK, so that's also what's special about Champagne. On top of being controlled about what's the yield they can have every year, when do they, what's the window at they can harvest, there's also a mani- a maximum of juice you can get per kilo of grapes, which is how they also ensure quality of the juice. Next question. What's the upper limit of yield set by the EU law of kilos per hectare in Champagne? In Champagne, you can have a maximum of 15,500 kilos per hectare. Next question. Why are grapes pressed with a gradual increase of pressure in champagne? To ensure high quality of the juice with loaf phenolics and white wine from black grapes. Next question. When pressing the grapes for champagne, the juice is separated into two fractions. Explain the differences between them from a quality and style standpoint. So again, the two fractions are the cuvee and la thai. What are the differences? The cuvee is usually rich in acids and it produces wines with finesse and long aging potential, while the thai lower in acidity, but is richer in coloring pigments and in phenolics. Okay. Next question. Chapitalization in Champagne is permitted to produce a wine With a minimum of what ABV? 11%. Next question. What's the minimum ABV allowed by EU... uh, Sorry, what's the maximum ABV allowed by EU law for champagne? 13%. So you will never find a champagne that is more than 13% alcohol. Next question. What's the most important for blending in Champagne? So, blending in Champagne is actually critical for non-vintage Champagnes to create a house style without losing consistency and reducing the influence of the vintage. Next question. Why they have reserve wine in Champagne? So, they have it mainly for two reasons. To have a blending, to have enough blend, to have enough base wines to do a blending for a house style, and it also reduces the risk that a wine cannot be made in any one year because of the damage caused by disease, frosts, or hail. Next questions: Where are reserve wines kept in in Champagne? Reserve wines are kept reductively in stainless steel tanks. Using these wines as a blending component can make a small but important difference in terms of complexity of the final wine. Others choose to age the reserve wine in old oak so that they can add a mildly oxidative note. Next question. How is most rosé in champagne made? So, actually, most rosé in champagne is made by blending a small proportion of steel dry red wine made from locally grown Pinot Noir or Meunier with the white base wine to achieve the desired color and flavor profile. A few rosé champagne are made by using skin contact as done for steel rosé. But yeast absorbs color pigments from the wine during each fermentation. So achieving the desired color in the finished sparkling wine requires experience and expertise. Laurent Perrier Rosé is actually made this way. But remember, most Rosé Champagne, they take steel wine, base wine that is white, take a little bit of red, put it in there until they achieve what they want and then that's it. Okay, but they use, they blend steel wine. Next question. What's the minimum aging requirement for non-vintage champagne? Non-vintage champagne has to age for at least 15 months in the cellar, of which 12 months on lease. Next question. Vintage champagne also has 12 months minimum of, of aging on lease, but it can't be released until two years after tirage. True or false? It's false. So, yes, it still has a 12 minimum uh, aging on lease, but it can only be released after three years after, th- after tirage. E- next question. Explain how important the Liqueur d'Expedition is in Champagne. So three points here. So first of all, it determines the sweetness. So the more dosage, the more sugar you put, the sweeter it's going to be. It's going to also help to determine the wine profile. Did you use a youthful base from the current vintage of the base wine the Liqueur d'Expedition? Or did you use an aged reserve? And in rosé, it can also be used to correct the color. Next question. How many Grand Cru's and Premier Cru's in Champagne? There are 17 Grand Cru's in Champagne and 44 Premier crus. Next question. The Champagne industry comprises of 16,000 growers who own 90% of the vineyards and, th- and 320 champagne houses. But the houses who only own 10% of the vineyards, they sell most of the wine. True or false? It's true. Who owns Moet Chandon, Dom Pérignon, Mercier, Veuve Clicquot, Ruinard and Krug? LVMH Next question Who owns Franken, Pommery Monopole, Reitschik, Charles Lafitte and Bissinger? Franken, Pommery Monopole Next question How much by value do LVMH and Franken, Pommery Monopole account for? They account for about two-thirds of all Champagne sales. So LVMH, Franken-Pomerie Monopole, they sell two-thirds of the whole Champagne sales. They represent two-thirds of whole Champagne sales. Next question. The Champagne houses not only have the biggest sales, But they also are uh, relatively strong in export market. What is the percentage of its sales, of all Champagne sales and of exports? So these Champagne houses, all of the houses, okay? So now we're not talking only about LV, MH and poin we're talking about all the Champagne houses, the 320 houses. They represent 73% of Champagne sales and it represents 88% of exports. So the houses basically control the export market in Champagne. Next question. How much percentage of all Champagne sales are to the domestic market and to the export market? So it's about 50 50. Half of the champagne of all champagne is sold in France, the other half exported. So good job on the French on drinking your own stuff. Next, overall sales of bottles from cooperatives in Champagne are small and evenly split between home and export market. True or false? It's true. Most cooperatives, overall, it's, it, it's, a small, it's small and evenly split between the export market and the domestic market. Next question. Growers in Champagne sell most of their wines to the domestic or to the export market? Growers sell more of their, most of their Champagne to the domestic market. So you basically have lots of growers, you have 16,000 growers, 320 champagne houses. The champagne houses, they account for 73% of all champagne sales, and and they represent 88% of the export market. So they sell the most, and they export a lot. While the growers, they don't sell a lot, and they sell mostly for the domestic market. Next question. In Champagne, what has been changing in the relationship between cooperatives and the large houses? For cooperatives, in addition to selling the base wine to the large houses, which is then sold into their own brands, they have moved into making and promoting their own brands. So the cooperatives, they used to sell sell the base wine to the large houses and then the large houses would make their own wine and they would sell it on their own label. But now they've been moving to producing their own cooperative wines. But at the same time, the large houses have moved to buy their grapes directly from the growers or via agents and deal less with the cooperatives. So, they both have a love and hate situation. Next question. In Champagne, the percentage of the cheapest wine, under 12 euro, has dropped steadily, while the percentage of wine over 20 euros has, ri- has risen steadily. True or false? True. Next question. The UK has the biggest market by volume by volume sorry and the lowest average bottle price in the top 10 export destinations of champagne true or false true which makes sense based on the history of the uk in champagne but yeah they have the biggest market by volume and they have the lowest average bottle price good job uk good luck with brexit Next, what is the price per kilo of grapes in Champagne? And how many kilos of grapes do you need to make a 175 centiliters bottle? And we're not including Premier Cru or Grand Cru Vineyard here. The kilo of grape costs 6 euros and 10 cents. And you need about 1.2 kilo of grapes to produce a one bottle of 75 centiliters, making it a large chunk of the cost. The cost of the grapes is a big, big chunk of the cost of the champagne bottle. Vintage champagnes are more expensive to produce than non-vintage because of mainly two things. What are those two things? So it's usually made from higher rated vineyards, the Grand Cru and the Premier Cru, which makes the grapes more expensive per kilo. And it also can't be released for three years, as opposed to 15 months of the non-vintage. So the grapes are more expensive and the storing is longer. Next. Rosé Champagne is marginally more expensive to produce than non-vintage. Why? Well, because red wine is required. And it is typically more expensive to produce a base wine due to lower yields. And the vineyards are needed to achieve, they need to achieve a required ripeness and concentration layers of flavors and color. Next question. What is a négociant manipulant in champagne? A négociant manipulant is a house that buys the grapes, the must, or the wine to make champagne on its own premises and market it under their own label. Okay? So basically, négociant manipulant, they buy the grape or the must or the wine, and then they make they champagne in their own houses and they sell it under their own label. What's a re- next? Sorry, next question. What's a récoltant manipulant in champagne? So, a récoltant manipulant is a house that makes and markets its own label from exclusive from grapes exclusively sourced from their own vineyards and processed in their own premises. So when you think of récolteur manipulant, they do everything. They grow the grape, they make their own wine in their own houses, and they sell it under their own label. Next, what's a cooperative de what's a cooperative de manipulation, cooperative of manipulation, let's say, in Champagne? It's a wine cooperative that markets champagne under its own label but using the members' grapes. So they buy the grapes from their members and then they sell it under the name of the cooperative. Last two questions. How much is the kilo of grape in champagne and how many kilos needed to produce one bottle? We just had this question. It costs 6 euros and 10 cents the kilo You need about 1.2 kilos of grapes for 175 centiliter bottle. And the last question for champagne is: In the price of a champagne bottle, how much percentage of it was used for the cost of the grapes, for the total production costs, and for marketing? So when you look at the bottle of champagne, 50% of the price. Sorry. 50% 50% of the costs are for the grapes, then 30% production costs and 20% marketing. I hope you enjoyed it. This was the flashcards of the spark uh, of the champagne specifically. And see you next time.